Welcome, everyone. We are about to begin Bess's Hashem Feedback and Insight Shared number 72. This particular feedback and insight will be different than the others. It will be three parts, and one will be primarily for parents of teenagers, and the other two, one will be addressed to teenage boys and the other one to teenage girls. And we're going to talk about um, the child development, um, into puberty and the teenage years and their development into with their um, you know into maturity into uh, the sexuality that that's part of going to be part of their nature and part of their inherent makeup as all human beings have that and we're going to talk about various ways of how to educate and how to communicate with your young children and young teenagers and older teenagers in a way that's very healthy. Um, and we're going to discuss that uh, at length. And then we're going to go have a separate shear that I'm going to address straight to the young teenagers of boys and then separately girls. And uh, at first, we're going to talk about the general puberty ages between 8 and 13, um, usually between 8 and 16, all young people go through a normal process of biological development that we call puberty. And um, a lot of this is taken from the book, Dr. Yocheva Dubao's book, talking about intimacy and sexuality, extremely well-researched, and the Shurma based on her book. And um, puberty reflects a stage of life where the body is getting ready to be able to reproduce. And it's um, the process starts with a few physical changing in the developing body to a point where the child is fully developed and capable of being productive. And it's usually a four or five year span that that takes place. On average, boys begin and end puberty about a year or two later than girls do. And it can start as early as eight and nine. And therefore, it's important to have conversations with children about these changes and, um, you know, some parents, we, we've talked about this before, are very uncomfortable talking to their children about this. Sometimes they buy certain books and leave them lying around conspicuously that their children should pick it up. Um, but I think the best way is, is to be educated and encourage parents to talk to their children and prepare to know what to say to their children in these stages in life. And, um, you know, sometimes parents need to think through what they went through when they were that age, when they were changing and all those feelings that came along with it. And um, especially nowadays, it's even definitely more uh, prevalent and more important um, to because of all the exposure of getting information from the wrong places that they should get that rather from their parents. So changes in puberty for girls... Um, First notable sign is that the breast buds, it starts growing. Um, you get this some um, light here that starts growing the pubic area and the underarm area. A growth spurt takes place. Sweat glands begin um, and they sweat more. And then the skin gets oily, which causes acne, which causes pimples. The body becomes rounder, curvier. And then they experience vaginal discharge, and ultimately they experience menstruation. And puberty could come as early as nine years old, even eight years old, although that's not the average. 
And but generally in our generation, girls are experiencing their first menstruation period at, at earlier ages than they did 30 years ago or 40 years ago. This research uh, is not clear as to why that is. Maybe it's more nutrition improved or maybe obesity, the overeating could sometimes cause it. And the average among girls is from 10 to 11 years um, and for the for, for, of puberty development and menstruation are roughly 12 and a half years. And um, there's changes, physical changes to their internal organs, their sexual organs, the ovaries, uterus, vagina, so on, and their external um, organs, labia, cloiteris, and so on and so forth, which increases inside and begins to develop. Breasts grow, the nipples grow. Girls tend to become more self-aware, self-conscious of these changes. Sometimes the breasts develop unevenly, growing more on one side than the other, not symmetrical, and eventually it balances out, something they need to learn not to worry about. If they're concerned about it, mothers should talk to them about it um, because they may feel that they're not like, uh, you know, like freakish or, or not normal in the way they're being developed. And, and the mothers need to try to reassure them that, that this is quite normal and the breast could be very sensitive to touch and, and, and then uh, um, under here, our arms start to grow and here on the legs start to grow. And girls are very often very conscious of these changes and um, they may share with their mothers this um, but the mothers need to emphasize, and sometimes it's the fathers, but they need to emphasize it, that all these changes are very normal, perfectly normal. Every human being goes through these changes and every girl goes through these changes and the mothers themselves say, yes, I went through the same changes like you're experiencing now. You need to help them not be nervous about it, but rather be excited at that development. The growth spurts, the growing a few inches taller, the sweat glands, and that comes with its challenges. The body odor now becomes an issue. That's where it's necessary, the deodorant, personal hygiene, um, the hips widen, body shape and become more rounded. Menstruation, before that, usually there's a white vaginal discharge, which uh, usually is a predictor of oncoming menstruation. And um, they usually experience two or three years after their first experience of puberty. That's when they experience menstruation. Sometimes it's genetically inclined how, when it happens. And the truth is, is, you know, people, she mentions in, in, in the, in the secular world, they call something the big talk, or even where, you know, you call them in a room and you just like sort of in a, throw a bomb at them and start talking about these things in one big thing and just throw everything at them. And the truth is, the more healthy way to approach this is to start a series of short conversations when it's comfortable, that's less intimidating, more conversational, more time to think, more time that they could think about it and then ask you questions and then you can answer those questions. A give and take back and forth instead of just, you know, throwing it at them once, here it is and I'm not talking about it anymore, and goodbye, Charlie. There has to be an openness, even though you're uncomfortable, to, um, to do that. And girls do tend to worry what their periods will feel like and when will it begin. And a lot of young girls are, are worried about the potential embarrassment of suddenly finding themselves all full of blood, you know. And um, if they're concerned about it, or they even if you think they're concerned about it, you need to talk to them explicitly about them. 
let them know that generally speaking, menstruation starts with a few drops of blood, and then she'll realize that she's beginning to menstruate, and then she could go to the bathroom and get protection in advance, maybe with toilet paper, whatever the case may be, and to realize that it's a normal thing. And the impact of the approach of a mother in explaining this menstruation to her daughter can, can make it from a very nerve-wracking, concerning experience to a very, uh, I wouldn't call it pleasant because it's not comfortable, but a way where there is a certain excitement and a certain uh, specialness to it. They shouldn't call it that it's a painful nebuch, you know, unpleasant curse from Chava and so on and so forth. Rather, it should be emphasized that it's a miraculous thing. It's something very positive. It's the it's the onset, the beginning of the potential of a girl becoming a mother in Klai Yisrael. And if mothers explain this to their daughters about the complexity of the human body and the reproductive system in particular, and welcome to the club. Now you're a potential, you know, you have the potential to be a mother now. And one day you'll bring children into the world after you get married. And menstruation marks the fact that a girl's body has that ability to fulfill that unique role of becoming a mother. And um, this is something that, again, some girls, depending on their maturity level, may not be ready to hear all of this. So you have to do it in a gradual way, you know, and in a, and understanding the capacity of your daughter in, in, in understanding these things. But ultimately, to bring it up in a positive way, that their mom is going to become a partner with Hashem based on these changes that are taking place. And to get used to the fact that there'll be monthly cycles and um, and so on and so forth. And that's generally with girls, their changes. The boys' changes uh, obviously are very different. Um, there's an increase in the size of their testicles. They also develop here in their pubic area, underarm area, sweat, sweating. The penis scrotum becomes enlarged. Pubic hair slowly becomes darker, starts to curl. There's a growth spurt. They'll experience what we call wet dreams, ejaculation. We'll talk about that soon. Not necessarily anything to do with sexuality, by the way. And um, voice changes and developing facial hair. And again, with puberty, with boys also could start as early as nine years old, although the average age is generally 11 and could be as late as 14. And um, usually, right away, it's the enlargement of the testicles, the reddening, reddening of the scrotum, that's the sac in which the testicles are held and again the sparse public uh, pubic hair underarm hair and the boat off boys are very conscious of these changes and they may share or may not share this with their mothers or with their fathers they'll begin to sweat more uh, um the, and and as the sweat glands develop in the genital area and the underarm areas body odor also becomes an issue they have to learn about keeping clean and personal hygiene. And their penis enlarges. It usually doubles in size by the end of puberty from what it was before puberty. And it, the voice box changes. The voice cords grow. Boy's voice becomes uneven. And that's the normal part of growth. And usually later at the end of puberty, the voice changes into a more deeper masculine tone. The boy's shoulders begin to widen. Starts growing hair on the face. And ultimately, that's the fertility. And then they have the ability to ejaculate. 
um, which is basically the simen menashemayim that he puts in the male body, that the male is fertile and able to impregnate a female. And the first ejaculation generally occurs most of the time as a nocturnal emission or a wet dream, and they find about it by having one. And again, it may not necessarily be anything sexual. Sometimes they'll get wake up wet and they'll be confused and they think that they had an accident, a uh, bedwetting initially. They won't, you know, hop sometimes. Parents, ideally the fathers, need to sit with their sons in those things and have discussions with them. Um, you may want to give a, uh, your son a book about this area, you know, a normal book that would explain these things. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. We talked about this when we did the Shurim and the Alei Shur. Because it's not necessarily, we'll talk about sexual thoughts in a little bit later, but this is not a result of sexual thoughts that they ought to be controlling. This, these ejaculations, especially early on, take place, especially in the beginning, where because the, a healthy young man, when they get to that stage, produces hundreds and thousands of sperm per day, seven days a week, from puberty onward for the rest of his life, and so well, very often the body needs to release some of this excess sperm. And this ejaculation is what happens to release that excess sperm. It usually takes place at night and it cannot be prevented. We talked about it in Ali Shuri. He said, unless you're Leo Anavi or Yaakov Avino, welcome to the club. It's going to happen to everybody. And there's no guilt associated with that. And if, you know, it's uncomfortable, he'll come, he'll, he'll have wet underwear, uh, underpants, and he'll be very maybe embarrassed and not know what to do. But again, if a father or even a mother, depending on the relationship, mentions don't worry about it, this is normal, just put it in the hamper, or you can take care of it yourself or whatever it is. You don't have to hide 10 of them under your bed that your mother will find anyway after a while. Be open about it and just do what you got to do, you know, and take that dirty laundry and then it'll be cleaned. But that's, that's separate from masturbation. Masturbation is the act of touching or rubbing one's own genitals to feel good sexually. Common behavior starts with puberty. And in the secular community, it's viewed as a normal, healthy behavior. But halacha obviously looks at it very differently as unacceptable and usher. But we talked about this also when we talked about Rav Huttner's letter and Dali Shur's letter, and we really should talk about this more, that we need to... Take, be very careful with this because it's acceptable not just in the secular world, but it's normal to have these sexual urges and feelings. But at the same time, the halacha says you can't, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's prohibited. And so therefore, teenagers find that they experience a tremendous amount of tension between their sexual impulses and their desire to, to, to keep the Torah. That set the standard for this area of an Isser of Zerolavatala. We're talking about boys now. And it needs to be addressed, this challenge. But they need to know, though, that erections occurred very frequently during pu- puberty. Sometimes it could happen spontaneously, even if they don't have sexual thoughts or stimulation. And sometimes they do have sexual thoughts that they have difficulty controlling, and that could also be causes cause of erections. And it could be embarrassing because it could occur in school. It can occur at times, especially in the early on. Later, the body matures. And, and, and even, you know, when someone, a, a, a teenager becomes 15, 16, 17, 
it, it gradually becomes less frequent and more manageable. But in early on, when it first starts, um, the erection is very common and can be very triggered right away. And it's very embarrassing sometimes and uncomfortable um, when they have that. And they need to, you know, there's eights as how to hide it. You hold, hold something in front when it happens, uh, you know, like a bag in front or whatever it is. And, um, you know, these, these things pass, these, these situations pass. There are also a lot of boys, they, they, you know, maybe more in the secular world than in the Jewish world, but especially when people become chasanim and older, they worry about their penis size. And, uh, and the truth is, is we didn't talk about this much, but it is, it has very little to do with the sexual satisfaction that they themselves will experience or they could help, have their wife experience. It's overrated what they say about penis length becoming a source of greater sexual, sexual satisfaction than smaller. And it's something that is really nothing to worry about at all. And no matter what a person's size of their penis is, they could have a very satisfying, healthy sexual um, relationship with their wife, with they're both enjoying it immensely, no matter what the size is. And it's not something that they should really be worried about. And boys also could have swelling of their breasts in the early years of puberty. Um, and again, one could be larger than the other, and there could be bumps under the nipples, and the nipple area also may be sore. They need to realize that could happen, and it usually goes away at a relatively in a relatively short period of time. And what's important for bo- both boys and girls to know, and what parents really need to talk to both the boys and girls about, about the changes that members of the other gender faces during puberty. And in other words, boys need to be given some information about menstruation, even though they don't experience menstruation. And girls who are mature enough should be given some information about male development, including erections. Now, this may sound counterproductive, but firstly, you need to know and I would say you would, what you think that your kid doesn't already know, they know already, and they may get it from the wrong places already and with the wrong ideas, so you might as well be upfront about it. And the truth is, like I said many times, if an Erlich Hayid learns Chumash and Rashi from the beginning to the end with Gemara Chumash and Rashi and some basic Gemaras and Rashis, even not the Gemaras that talk necessarily about all these subjects, not, you're not learning Mesechtis Nida, for example, when you're a Bachar, if, if you don't learn that. But through the normal things, you will already know about these situations. A boy will know about menstruation and Damnida and so on and so forth. You learn Parshas Tazriya, it's there already. And, 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 and the, the girls will know about erection. So you may, it's important for them to know it in a mature way. Again, you got to know where they're holding and again, we talked about it. People are worried that if you open the subject, it'll trigger them to do crazy things or get very sexual. And the truth is, is it's the other way around. You give them more information at the time they're ready to hear it. It prevents them from behaving irresponsibly pertaining to their own bodies or the way they interact. Now, what happens very often is that Early developing girls feel very, very uncomfortable and embarrassed about the changes, especially if the other girls their age aren't yet experiencing their changes. So they hide their bodies. They get teased about it, right? If the certain girls, certain age group are more mature, the breasts are already developed while most of the group isn't, 
it'll be a source of ridicule, unfortunately, and people will make fun. And the other way around you have also, where um, boys also have this situation also, um, that they get teased terribly the other way around when um, in a certain age group, whether it's uh, 8th grade, ninth grade, that area of time, 10th grade, whatever it is, where there are some boys where their puberty came later and they still are short and they're still childlike in their body, while the others in their class are already taller, they had their growth spurt already and they have already be- uh, beards or you know facial hair. And again, there's an awkwardness of the difference between the disparity there. And sometimes people, you know, kids can be cruel and they tease each other about it. So the parents, it's important for them to educate their children and let them know that all this is normal, all this is to be expected. Everything will straighten out over time. And this is just the normal way of Hashem created these growths. And it's very, very traumatic. Teenagers often worry about, you know, am I normal? Uh, you know, is this normal? And also, we talked till now about the physical changes. There's emotional changes. There's mood swings. Even people that are even killed. We're not talking about... The, sometimes you have people that are prone to depression and anxiety overall in general and even in their adult life or even in their childhood, they have these issues. True. But even teenagers, even even people that do not generally have anxiety problems or things like that, will in their teenage years, especially when these hormones come in and the puberty happens, that they'll experience mood swings and have all these cognitive changes, all these emotional changes, their brain is developing, and these physical changes are rapid, and it comes with social changes and emotional changes that can be extremely overwhelming. And they worry about their hair and their skin and their clothes and their acne and then whether they're normal and, 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 and so on and so forth. And it's very traumatic. And they don't understand why sometimes they feel so lonely. And then sometimes all of a sudden they'll feel euphoric and like, like they're on top of the world. And then, you know, hormones deeply impact emotions and feelings. And you need to tell your children, it's important to know that sometimes they'll wake up in the morning, have a simcha sachayim, happy about life, enthusiastic and, and, and excited. And then there are other days where they'll feel sad, they'll feel lonely. And sometimes they can't put a concrete reason for it. Nothing traumatic necessarily happened. We're not talking about Khalila, you know, I'm upset, anything happened, then you know why they're upset. But sometimes they won't know themselves. And that's because their brains are developing, their th- complex thinking is still a work in progress, and it leads to, uh, you know, frustration. Another thing that's important to talk to their children is, especially whether it's boys and girls, but I think girls more in this case, that as adolescents' experiences change, changes in their bodies, they have a hard time differentiating between the idea of looking attractive, which is healthy, even bitsneas, there's an Indian to look good, to look presentable and look good. There's nothing wrong with a girl, even if she's not shidduch age yet, and she's 13, 14, 15, and she wants to look good for herself in a tzniyistic way, not for the fact to look at, out attention, but for herself. It's a healthy, good thing. But then there's something what in the culture is looking sexy or something like that. There's a big difference between the two. The culture, the media, especially these days, 
may place, and that's why teenagers, I feel bad personally. I feel bad for American teenagers. That overemphasis on sexuality and the importance on quote unquote being sexy and the sexualization of girls in the media, that women are portrayed in a sexual manner more often than men, dressed in revealing clothing and provocative postures and, and so on, and they're objectified. All this creates a tremendous damage. And it's a very narrow-minded way of looking at physical beauty. It's a very unrealistic way of looking at physical beauty. And it's heavily emphasized in our culture. And girls have to learn not to look up to female models. And there's a big difference between feeling feminine, healthily feminine, and attractive, which is a healthy thing. No matter how bitsneous you are, it is a healthy thing. Versus being sexy, which is a 21st century mishigas, not because it's a mishigas, it's just supposed to be channeled in marriage with your husband and with your wife. So when we confirm with our daughters and explain to them that when we dress and act in a sexual way or in a sexually provocative way, it is a power and it impacts others and it can feel good but it co- it's very dangerous and very unhealthy, it's important to educate them that. this We're not talking simply about wagging fingers here or being judgmental. It's just common sense and the way Hashem designed it. Sexuality is very important. It's good at some points for a woman to feel sexy and sexual energy in a marriage relationship between herself and her husband and her husband and her. And the children need to understand that. There is a place for it. There is a healthy aspect to sexuality and sexual energy. And there will be a good time for it. But the bottom line is, is right now, in this situation, where they are now, that is not the place for it. But, yes, to be femininely attractive and to have self-esteem about it, for the, peop- the boys, they want to dress presentable. Not for the purpose of attracting the opposite gender and the woman also the girl not for the purpose of attracting the opposite gender but for their own self-esteem for their own attractiveness nothing wrong with that as long as it's in a normal theistic way then later in between 14 and 80 18 there's a later um um you know adolescence that take place and even though they pass most of the puberty at this stage between 14 and 18, the bodies are still developing. They are still subject to all these changes. They're realizing now that they're sexual beings. They realize the complexity now of interactions between male and females. And they need to understand that the Tyra's strictness in these areas is not meant to be as a wagging finger and as a, as a to take away the joys of life, but rather as a protection a protection, and also that it could be used in a very positive way when it's going to be used in that very positive way in marriage. And they need support, they need encouragement, and you allow them to to express their independence and their feelings. And when they're comfortable about it, we need to have discussions with them and not shy away from discussions about it, even if they're not Hassan and Kala age yet. But if they're curious about it, they want to know about it, they're asked questions about it, it's important 
to do that. And the question also goes about how they teach that. Now, again, sometimes they don't have a capacity. You know, as if you have a little kid, small kids ask how do babies get inside their mother, you don't have to tell them how sex works at that point. They won't understand it anyway. So you have to know the level of the child's maturity, the openness in general of the family, the norms of the community, and their own tchunas anefesh. And um, there's different ways to start these conversations. But sometimes you can say it in a way, it depends on what the age is, but you could talk about it and you could mention it. And especially if they're already, again, they probably know a lot more than you think they know. And sometimes, just as an example, this may sound crazy to tell your kid, but sometimes if they're asking these questions and you tell them, a mother, let's say, will tell their daughter or their, or their son even, you know, when parents love each other, sometimes it feels good when they snuggle with each other in bed and hug and kiss each other. And sometimes they even take their clothes off and they lie na- naked together. This is something that only adults can do. And the Torah allows only married people to do it. And, um, and if, you know, if they're at, ready to understand this, they, they understand the father's body has these tiny little sperm st- cells that get out of the body through his penis. And the mother invites him to put his penis inside her vagina so that the sperm could come from his body into her body. And um, and even though it may sound gross or sound awkward, it's really very nice and wonderful. It's, thing, it's something that's not just a technical act in order to produce children, like we just described, but it's a wonderful thing that husbands and wives tend to do for each other when they love each other very much. Some people call it sexual intercourse. In, in, in Hebrew, they call it bia or, or yichud or whatever you want to call it. And some people call it simply sex. And... And the Torah looks at it as something beautiful, and Hashem made it that way, both for people to have children and also to have a thriving marriage for two people that love each other. And there's a time and place for everything, and Metz Hashem, it'll be a time and place for you when you get married, Metz Hashem. And, and, and it's very important. Sometimes it, it, if they hear it from their parents in a normal way, as opposed to from who, where else they get it, it's very important um, to know and sometimes you know you know when they're little kids and you know the mother they say where's the baby the baby's in the mother's tummy and how do they survive some point when they get a little more mature you know you could tell a uh, five-year-old and a a six-year-old and an eight-year-old they'll realize their mother's pregnant having a baby the baby's in the stomach fine but at some point in time um, when they're already more developed and they realize you know you realize you need to tell them more then you tell them it ain't the stomach. There's a special place called the uterus or the womb. It's not the stomach. It's a separate place that holds babies in particularly, and um, the uh, you know and um, and so on and fo- so forth. And um, again, all these things that we sometimes again maybe in older generations and many generations they skip all of this stuff. But the bottom line is is that children, young teenagers, need to hear this from the right places. From the right places, not from the culture that's outside, that is so steeped with terrible uh, uh, role models and terrible ways of depicting things. And it's part of what we have in the Asher Yatsar. Uh, when you say Asher Yatsar, 
people think it's just for going to the bathroom, but it's really a, a, a bracha and haidah for how the body functions. That includes all the systems of the body, the nervous system, the circulatory system, the digestive system, and yes, the sexual system. So the kitzer, and we're going to end off over here, and then we're going to have two more parts where I'm going to address straight just to the boys and just to the girls, which I encourage the parents to listen to. And then when they feel that their child is ready for it, then I think they should give over this recording. I mean, not, not this one in particular, but the other two, boys for boys, girls for girls, in those, from those things when they're ready to hear it and, it, and it probably will help a great deal. Um, so in this chapter, meaning the chapter of this book that uh, talks about child's development, and in this year we talked about how parents can play a very important role in the child's, children's development, all types of development. We're talking here, we, the subject here is now sexuality, but the MS is, I mean, all types of development, of all types of issues, going on depression, on how to handle money, on frumkite, on story, on 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 people that grapple with emuna, people have trouble with tefillah, people who have uh, low self-esteem. All these things we're talking here about sexuality, and that's part of it. People need to learn to teach their children how they're developing bodies, are a bracha from Hakadosh Baruch Hu, to become sexually healthy religious adults, and the normal changes in the body that are normal. And they need to know the names of their the body parts and what their functions are and the privacy of it and to discuss issues like masturbation and gentle touch, touching and things like that that people are prone to do and to understand, that they understand what it's all about and the dangers thereof and how to be careful with it and understanding it within not in a not scary way. And hopefully this will help. And um, again, we're not talking about things that people are comfortable talking about, obviously. Um, This is no real fun. People feel very, very awkward discussing these things. Um, But it's important. So again, this is this feedback. And Bezaz Hashem, in the next two parts, I'm going to talk basically based on these guidelines that she has published at the end of her book, which is very well well researched. And we're going to talk one, one sheer regarding the boys' development and some ashkafas pertaining to the boys and then one for the girls pertaining to the girls. Hatzlacha and bracha.